All right, well, let's open up our Bibles once again to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18. We're gonna be looking at about five, six verses. And y'all know that doesn't mean we're gonna go short. Uh, I'm still gonna preach God's word. So we're gonna have some fun today as we continue this um, really now a year and a half long journey in the book of Acts. We're not just preaching Acts. We're not just reading Acts. We are praying in the name of Jesus that we would live Acts. Amen? Amen. Amen. And God's moving in such a way that he alone gets all glory and praise. And it's such an honor to walk with you. Man, worship was powerful. And uh, that time, take courage. What a great, great song that sets up this text that we're going to look at today. I've entitled our message, If God Wills. Can we say that together? If God wills. We're going to look at Acts chapter 18, verse 18 through 23. My name's Rob Wilton. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and I want to welcome you, especially if you're our first-time guest today. Can we give it up for our first-time guests in the house? We are so, so thankful to have you here, and uh, I pray that you would take a next step today uh, to join, to be a part of this movement of truth, love, and community. We love gathering for worship on Sundays. We also love scattering throughout the week and our V groups. Anybody want to give a little shout out to your V group? How much you love our V groups? We love sitting in circles and we love sitting in rows, worshiping King Jesus together. And so um, we would love for you to join us. So we'll give some clear kind of next steps at the end of our gathering and Hopefully we can hang out. I love golf, fly fishing, dark roast coffee. It's only one style of coffee. I don't insult coffee by putting cream and sugar. Definitely don't have medium roast. It's dark roast. I like chewing my coffee. And I've had a lot this morning, so y'all get ready. Some weeks I promise we'll beat the Presbyterians to lunch. We ain't beating them today. So get comfortable. Um, I've had the privilege over the last, I think it's now about six months of sitting at the feet of Dr. Tony Evans, um, who is one of the most prominent pastors in all of the world. And uh, I've had the privilege of being a part of a project with the network that we serve with in church planning all across North America um, to interview him. And I've sat with him personally for about 13 hours. I've done close to 40 hours of interviewing. So as I've sat with him for about 13 hours hearing his life story, um, he would talk to us about um, other people in his life that had invested in his life. And so when he talked about his two mentors in college, as he went to Carver College in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I had the privilege of going to Atlanta and interviewing his two mentors. And so um, it's been so fun. It's been so amazing to sit at the feet of truly one of the legends of the faith. Um, and it's so great to um, honor the legends of the faith. This past week, Tim Keller passed away. Uh, Tim Keller, I had the privilege right as COVID happened of being on a Zoom call. And I've got like five pages of notes from a 30-minute Zoom call with Tim Keller. Uh, he gave us so much wisdom and, uh, but, but make sure you honor uh, the legends of the faith and, and you thank God for those who've gone before you. We're standing on their shoulders, right? 
Well, as I've sat at the feet of Dr. Evans, there's gonna be a podcast that comes out uh, nationally in the fall. Um, it's called Start to Finish. And uh, you guys, nobody else knows about it, but because this is the church I get to pastor, you guys know ahead of time. Um, and, and I just love the project. I've, I came across, as I've done all this research, um, what Tony Evans says about the will of God. And this is what he says. He says, God's will is not always easy to discern, but it is always good. In his book, The Best is Yet to Come, he writes, God's will is not always easy, but it's always good. It may not be what we want, but it is always what we need. It may not make sense to us, but God always has a plan. He's in the waiting. He's never failing. And his plan, Dr. Evans says, is always perfect. His plan is always perfect. Can we, can we just take off kind of the, hey, brother, sister, church facade? Great words, Dr. Tony. I mean, thank you for that encouragement. Anyone ever felt like God's plan is not clicking? <laughs> like, God, did you not pay attention to that whiteboard of the strategies I put on for my life? You know? I, I wouldn't have exactly designed this for the five steps of my life plan. But we can trust that God's plan is always perfect. It's not easy, but it's always good. Let's look at this text together. Acts chapter 18, 18 through 23. After this, what's the this? Paul has been in Corinth. And we talked about Paul going into Corinth. Don't freak out. The lights have a personality of their own. I sometimes call them Mac and Burke. After this, those are my twin boys. It says, Paul stayed many days longer, okay, in Corinth. It said at the end that, that Paul, after establishing a church in the city of Corinth, he stayed there a year and a half, remember, teaching the word of God. And, and so we're unclear exactly how long, but it says he stayed there many days longer and then took leave of the brothers or the brethren there. He, he left no longer just the people of Corinth. How cool is this? He left his family. And why is it now his family? Because he came into that city preached Jesus, people met Jesus, were transformed by Jesus and became his brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. He, he's now leaving not just a city, he's leaving family. It's hard to leave family. It is, it's hard to leave family. My wife and I, right after we got married, we left family, we've not been back. We haven't had the privilege of living next to mom and dad and grandparents and all that stuff. Took home, took a little, you know, journey down south and then went up to Nashville to adjust climates and then we came to Pittsburgh. It's hard to leave family, but here, I mean, these are his brothers, his sisters. And what does he do? He sets sail for Syria, but I love this. Who's with him? Priscilla and Aquila. Who are Priscilla and Aquila? 
Remember, Paul got beat up in the synagogue. He shakes off his garments and he goes next door, right? And he basically establishes a church with this amazing couple of which he also joined them in raising funds for his own life because he had to be a tent maker. So he joined them in tent making. I love this. Um, now, we don't know a whole lot about uh, Paul in Acts in Corinth, but we do know as we read First and Second Corinthians that Paul faced several challenges and difficulties um, in Corinth. He, he obviously, as we learned last week, he experienced opposition from the Jewish community. Um, he had to stand up for Jesus in the middle of immorality and corruption. We can't relate to that today because everything's perfect. There's no immorality or corruption today. Um, he faced financial hardship. He, he didn't always have the, uh, the means, right, to, to get by. And so he had to go and get a job and he was a tent maker. And, and then we also know if you go and read in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul had to address some personal attacks. People tried to derail him by attacking his character, spreading lies about him. And, and spreading falsehoods about him. So it's not like Corinth was a place, can I be honest, that he wasn't a little excited to get away from. But he didn't come into Corinth because it was like his plan. And he now wasn't leaving Corinth because it was his plan. He was listening to the Holy Spirit of God who had a very specific assignment for him to be an apostle, right, and to go and to proclaim Jesus to as many people as possible. And so when the time was right, as the Lord led him, if God wills, he now leaves and he sets sail for Syria. It says at Centria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. Now let me read from a context here because here it says he cuts his hair. It's likely that Paul cut his hair as part of a Jewish vow, possibly a Nazarite vow, which involved abstaining from certain things such as wine, haircuts for a period of time as an act of devotion to God. Now, there's all sorts of, um, uh, you know, commentaries that have come out with their interpretation of what they believe. Honestly, we probably won't ever know the answer until one day we get to heaven, we get to say, hey, Paul, why'd you cut your hair, Right? Why, why did you go about this vow? He might have done this personally. There might be, how many of y'all know we deal with things personally? This might not necessarily have been something that anybody needed to know, but he was wanting to repent of his own sin. Can I, can I just share this, especially in a very religious city? It's super important that you confess sins to one another, but the most important confession you could ever do is to God. For he sees all things. Ah, my mama's not gonna catch me do this. God already sees it and he already knows it. You thinking it, you're sinning. You're needing to repent. And so maybe this was just between him and God. I don't wanna mess with that. I've had season in my life where I've needed to just lock in with the Lord. But I also believe that, that perhaps if the point of these vows was to deepen one's devotion to God, the apostle Paul here, y'all gotta believe because he preaches to himself in other letters as he preaches to like the church in Philippi. What does he say? But one thing I do, forget what lies behind, I press on to what lies ahead, right? 
He's pumping himself up to keep pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I believe what he's doing, one of the greatest things you could ever do to keep fighting the good fight is to deprive yourself of the things of this world and instead fill yourself up with the things of God. So could it be possible that as he began this second missionary journey, he took a vow because he knew that it was gonna be hard. He knew beatings were about to come. He knew he was about to log some really, really tough hours. And he's like, look, No amount of like all-inclusive resort down in Mexico is gonna save me. I need the spirit of God to sustain me. So he cuts his hair. Told y'all we ain't gonna leave early. I've hardly gotten through any of this. Let's go back to the text. Verse 19. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. Who's the them? Aquila and Priscilla. (laughs) So, comes in, uh, connects with some new people. Hey, roll with me. And then leads these new people to a new divine appointment. I think it's really cool how God's kind of orchestrating, if God wills. For our life is not our own. This world's not our home. Lord, whatever it is, All to you I surrender. We're gonna sing a song in just a few moments. You can have it all, Lord. What would that look like? What would it look like for you to say, you can have it all, Lord? See, Priscilla and Aquila accompanied Paul as far as Ephesus. And and Silas and Timothy probably stayed in Corinth. Um, remained in Macedonia, serving those churches. I just love seeing how Paul is expanding the kingdom of God by investing in people who invest in people who invest in people. This is how it works. It says, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And something surprising happens in Ephesus. It didn't happen everywhere he went. Remember the Bereans? When Paul came and he preached the word of God among the Bereans, they were eager, right? They were willing. Uh, They wanted to receive the word. Sometimes he rolls in a city and man, he gets beat up for even talking about Jesus, right? Well, here's an example of God's favor, God's blessing, because he's walking in the spirit of God. The spirit of God's preparing the way for him here. And I love this. He goes in the synagogue and check this in verse 20. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, they want more. Come on, Paul. We want you to sign our Bibles. We're not gonna beat you up. We wanna hear more. See, the world would say, Paul, Stay. I mean, this is where you're going to get a lot of Instagram followers. This is where you're going to get real popular. For the people are saying, you're awesome. The people are leaning in and saying, man, give us more. But what did Paul do? He declined. We're gonna talk about in just a few moments, if God wills. God doesn't always, this is a gut check for some of you, 
God doesn't always call you to the things that people want you to do. Even mama. I'm a mama's boy, y'all met mama last week. She prayed a prayer blessing, gave us a, a word on Mother's Day. I think it was up to mama, I'd still be home. She'd still be cooking me. Y'all want to hear some crazy food that I grew up eating? My parents are South African. French toast. My oldest son loves it. Bolt loves it. French toast. You put a little spread of ketchup on top of French toast and you, you sprinkle some, some cheese on top of it. Don't knock it till you try it. Some of y'all are looking at me. <laughs> Mama would have cooked me right now this morning if it was up to her some French toast with some ketchup and cheese and my dark roast coffee. Some are like, I'm out of here. That guy's got issues. Okay, so if it's up to mama, God doesn't always call us to what everybody wants us to do. And that's when it gets hard. Can we be honest? That's when it gets hard when we get the praise of people. It says, but he declined. And then here's our, our overarching theme, and I'm gonna fly through the rest because it's not really the focus. We'll jump into that next week. The third missionary journey is about to begin. But it says, on taking leave of them, he said, let's turn around, let's say this out loud together. I will return to you if God wills. One more time. I will return to you if God wills. And it says, and he set sail from Ephesus. Now, I wanna read the rest of this here uh, just so that we can see. Um, it doesn't matter where Paul went, same mission. Didn't matter what location, same mission. And I love this. It says, when he landed at Caesarea, I'm gonna show you a map next week and we'll look at where he's going and the third missionary journey. He's just now wrapped up the second missionary journey. And it says, he went up, he greeted the church, went down to Antioch. And it says, in spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia and strengthened all the disciples. So wherever Paul goes, man, he's on mission. One of the things that's cool about this, we'll look at this next week, is he's basically returning back to some areas where, get this, he's led people to Jesus. And he's going back to check up on them. He led some of these people to Jesus. He established some church and he's coming back and he's, he's saying, hey, how are you doing? Is there any way I can serve you? There's nothing cooler than that, to go back and see how God worked in and through your life. All right. So um, probably, I, I guess it might've been before Easter. I can't remember. I preached a message called follow God's will. And then I preached a message called trust God's will. And so this is like a third part message, right? If God wills. And, and, and I want to just kind of step into this because as I've talked with a lot of you, you're at, you're at a crossroad in life. 
You're contemplating a deeper dive into a relationship, a career change, a possibility about something in your life, and you've got options. And you're, remember, when we talked about follow God's will, we talked about four things that God sometimes multiplies people. It's not always God's will to holy hoard, sometimes He multiplies people, right? Sometimes God unites people, though. God unites people around a common vision. Uh, sometimes God opens doors, but I don't know about y'all, I'm so thankful for this. Sometimes God closes doors. Anybody need God to be real specific with you? Like God, I got six options and it would be amazing if you just would give me one so I know what your perfect will is. And sometimes God's done that for me. He's done that for me. Um, I absolutely am head over heels in love with my honey bun on the front row over here to my right, your left. That's my best friend right there. Her name is Annabeth. Um, tomorrow, we celebrate our 19th wedding anniversary. 19th wedding anniversary. Y'all give it up for her, man. That's a lot of time to hang out with this guy. And uh, just so that y'all know, she'll probably correct me, was it, how long were we together before that? Seven years? About seven years before that. So, you know, by the time we were getting married, people were like, oh yeah, they know that they like each other. Like this is gonna work out. Um, we did break up like 655 times <laughs> through our dating relationship on the way to finally getting married. But the last breakup was the most epic breakup. Um, I was in my junior year in college um, and she had already kind of graduated college. And so, um, you know, uh, I'm older than her, but she finished school before me because let's just say I had to spend a little extra time in eighth grade way back in the day. So the mere fact that my oldest son, Bolt, is passing eighth grade, he's already ahead of his daddy. Um, and so uh, I had to spend a little extra time in eighth grade, but uh, that was around ninth grade was when Annabeth and I, you know, started dating and stuff. And um, I'm in college. She's kind of moving on to her career as a massage therapist. And I'm telling you, like, we're, we're together. And I'm, a lot of people are talking about getting married. And, like, I'm at her house. And, like, her and her mom are, like, talking about wedding plans. I'm like, who's getting married? I go to my house and it took a, a little bit of a rough dose at first, but like I found out real quickly my parents like her way more than me too. And like I'm at my house and I mean we're just dating in college and they're talking about wedding plans. I'm like, who's getting married? And I, I had just always envisioned, I know this catch you off guard, but I had always envisioned like traveling the world. I mean, nobody's going to hold this guy down. I'm, I'm going to spend my life on the road and get married at 62. <laughs> right? And like, like that's just me. I'm, I'm going to go, man. I'm gonna, like, there's no way. And, and so here I am wrapping up junior year in college, and, and we're talking about wedding. And can I just be real? God hadn't told me yet that we were supposed to get married. And it was part panic, so don't think I'm too spiritual. 
It was part though, I, I just, I clearly hadn't had peace in my heart from the Lord yet. And I'm telling you, we were at one of our best places ever in our entire relationship. We couldn't be at a better place. I had just transferred the year before from five hours away in college to like 40 minutes. We were having the time of our lives. Like, I mean, everything was clicking. And the Lord just told me to lay it all down before him. And I'll never forget calling her because I didn't have the guts to do this in person. Calling her and telling her that we needed to break up. And both of us with tears in our eyes were writ apart. Um, we got married. And, and I'm just telling you, like, for both of us, when we look back at our marriage now, coming on 19 years tomorrow, the most important thing that ever happened to our marriage of 19 years was that breakup. Because what that breakup did for us, it stripped us away of our plans and our desires and it completely laid everything before the Lord. And guys, for, I don't know, it felt like 17 years we were apart. I think it was really only like six months or so. I don't, maybe not even that long. We had to learn how to become more complete and dependent upon God before we ever were going to be for each other. And that season of being away I'm telling you is the reason why I today can be somewhat of a decent husband, somewhat of a decent dad. It's because Hollywood tells you, you complete me, lies. Sorry, Jerry Maguire. Some of you are too young for that. You're like, what's Jerry Maguire? What is he talking about? It's kind of a cool movie, check it out. My kids are like, Jerry Maguire? What movie is that, right? You don't complete me. God completes you. When you find full contentment in him, it gives you the ability then to be who you need to be for your significant other, your kids, your job, your careers, whatever. If God wills. I'm asking this week in your V groups, has anybody seen God shut a door in your life like he did with me in a relationship and yet somehow God brings you back to it. Now, can I go ahead? I know y'all got scripture so you'll be able to see this on your own. Paul goes back to Ephesus. In fact, it's a very significant part of his ministry that we're gonna read about. And it's not even that far away. It's like in Acts 19, Okay. But there's a lot of miles, a lot of ministry and all that kind of stuff. And so we're gonna process that. I wanna talk about God's will. Here's the definition, okay? We're gonna go through this real quickly. God's will centers around his desire to bring glory to himself and to bring about the ultimate fulfillment of his plan for creation. I got that from a commentary. Most of what I say, please don't say Rob said this, Say, Rob got this from somebody, okay? 
So there's a concise definition. I found that in a book that I was reading. I don't even know who wrote it, but I wrote it down and it came from someone else. So it's somebody else's. God's will centers around his desire to bring glory to himself. So as you're praying, if God wills, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you the purpose of his will is him, not you. He's not interested in even sharing the spotlight because ultimately, guys, you are not the hope of the world. He is. So he's going to design and create everything in your life so that as people see your life, what? They see him. That's his will. And so when we consider this, what is God's ultimate will? Think about these three things. Number one, to worship him. To worship him. We were created to give him glory, to worship his name. Number two, to serve him. To serve him. Not to be served by him. No, to serve him. Number three, to enjoy him. To enjoy him. Great pastor John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we are most satisfied in him. And so theologically, guys, where we get a little twisted in our flesh, and I'm there with you. Oh, God. Why in the world do I not have peace? Look at this beautiful girl that's even considering dating this ugly guy. This has to be your will, Lord. But when you press in and in moments where you're trying to figure out the will of God, the only way for you to truly tap into the will of God is you gotta stop thinking about yourself. No, God, as I seek your will, Lord, I long to worship you, to serve you, to enjoy you. Are you with me? This is when the light bulb's gonna come on. Satan would say, no. When you seek God's will, make sure you ask him how you'll be worshiped, how you'll be served, and how much fun you'll have. You think Satan, perhaps, at this moment in Paul's life is saying to Paul, Paul, you've had a rough go, bro. I mean, it has been a rough ride, man. You've been beat up, and man, you've been picked on, and you've been in jail, and all that stuff. And look, you're in Ephesus. And not only did you preach in the synagogue, they had a little green room for you. They had some nice bubbly set out for you. They had your favorite breakfast in the morning, French toast with ketchup and cheese grated on top of it. And so Satan's like, Paul, don't you want to stay? Don't you want to stay? I mean, they love you. This is going to be where you'll be a mega church pastor. Everyone's going to want you. You with me? Got to be careful with the flesh. Careful with the flesh. 
But the core is we seek, if God wills, worship him, serve him, enjoy him. All right. So how do we miss God's will? Can, can we just, just give a little relief to anybody here who's given church a try for the first time? I mean, you know, outside of, of course, my wife. She's never done anything wrong. Anybody ever struggled to follow God's will? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody would say, and we'll only know in heaven, you feel like maybe because of your actions in life, you missed a few of God's will moments. Anybody willing? I know. Aren't we thankful that Romans 8.28 says this, in all things, what is the significance of all things? Good decisions, bad decisions. Faithful decisions, unfaithful decisions. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> you're gonna mess up, you're gonna choose wrong, and yet God in his sovereign, beautiful power has the ability to turn what Satan intended for evil into good. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Man, my testimony, when I go back, people tell me, tell your story. I'm like, mess up, God showed up. Mess up, God showed up. Mess up, God showed up. He has done for me what I could never have done for myself. Thank you, Jesus. But let's, let's examine this because we have a responsibility. So if you're after the will of God, if God wills, Number one, this is how you'll miss God's will, sin and disobedience. Some of you who are in a, a relationship and you're praying about marriage, I'm just telling you at the core, you have to examine what the Lord has called you to do and to be and be faithful to that. Some of you who are examining whether or not God is calling you to a, a greater assignment in your career, you have to examine at this moment, are you obeying God with the little? And I just, you will not be able to connect the dots clearly to determine, to discern the will of God if you're in the middle of sin and disobedience. So we say this again. Let's say it again all together. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. We confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And repentance, guys, is not... Rob's, you know, had an amazing moment preaching and we start playing music and showing a puppy on the screen. Everybody feels emotional. They come down, they start crying. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then they go out the door and they start doing that thing again. Repentance is action. Talk is cheap. So sin and disobedience. How about this? Selfishness and pride is how we miss God's will. I already shared with you. The focus of God's will is God. So if we're going about it thinking that God is a genie in a bottle blessing us with his wishes, with our wishes, and 
I'm just telling you, you're not gonna connect the dots. God does not desire to honor you with clarity in what he wants when you think he's a genie in the bottle. When you think he is for you. No, you were created for him. So selfishness and pride, I want to do this. What did Tony Evans say? Following the will of God is not always easy, but it's always good. Number three, a lack of faith and trust in God is how we miss God's will. A lack of faith and trust in God. Okay, can I just, once again, just give us a bigger picture because I'm gonna prepare you for what I believe God wants to show you in regards to his will. God rarely, in my opinion, is going to invite you into a story that you receive all glory. So what's most likely gonna happen is God is about to show you something to do and you are going to say, there's no way I can do it. There's no way anybody else is going to think I can do it. And I would say you've probably tapped into the will of God. For God loves putting you in a place where it's not about your ability, it's about your availability. And he puts you there so that what? You would be empowered by him And so that as you carry out the very will of God, nobody looks at it and gives you praise, but gives God praise. And the reality is this is not easy. Faith is hard. Faith is unknown. Faith is scary. Sometimes because of a lack of faith, because of a lack of trusting in God, we miss God's will. Just think about the lyrics we just sung. Take courage, my heart. He's in the waiting, he's never failing. I love another song by Elevation Worship, Give Me Faith. It's been around a long time. Me and Annabeth's good friend, Chris Brown, sang this a long time ago. Uh, He went to college with Annabeth. And, And these are the lyrics. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. All I am, I surrender. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good, his will's never easy, but it is good, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. Give me faith. Isn't it great to know that when we lack, we can ask him to provide? And even your ability to take that step of faith, God was here giving you the ability to step in faith. And that's the importance of salvation. In just a few moments, I wanna invite you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, none of us here in this room who in any way, shape, or form, I know Tammy. We thank Tammy. 
The only reason why Tammy was used by God in any way, she'll be the first to tell you, she's probably one of the best preachers we got in the house. She'll tell you God equipped her. Sam, who served alongside Tammy, God equipped her. God gives us the faith to do what he says. If if you're not convinced by a song by Elevation Worship, listen to these scriptures. You ready? I'm going quick. You're going to go through some of these in your V group. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Ephesians 5:17 Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Psalm 25, four through five. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. And then Proverbs 16, nine. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I actually don't trust in my ability to preach anything to you. God's word will not return void to you. And where you are lacking right now in determining if God's wills in your life, get into his word and trust that he's going to guide your steps and be the light on your path. God, I can't see. It's all dark in here. Boom. That was my best Star Wars impression. Ben's not here. What a nerd. Bing. Like, this is how you'll see. If you hear nothing else, this is how you'll see. Get in the word. Ben's going to come up. And as they come up, I want to talk about four simple things, how to determine God's will. Ready? And I on purpose am not breaking this down. You guys are gonna break this down together. How to determine God's will. Right away, okay? Everybody look at me. Surrender to God's sovereignty. God ain't winging anything. He's in past, he's in present, he's in future. And his plan is what? Perfect. So everybody practice right now. Yes, Lord, yes. Again, yes, Lord, yes. yes Lord. One more time. Yes, Lord, yes. yes, Lord, yes. Not, I want to see first what he's going to say. <laughs> I'm going to determine whether or not I got the right salary package. 
whether or not the vacation time is going to be what I want. Whether or not people will really like me. Whether our Enneagrams match. Yes, Lord, yes. Number two, study God's guidance. God, speak to me. I need a word. Have you got a word? I need a word. The word is here. It's incredible apps out there. Bibles. Google. You never believe this. You don't even need a Bible. Google has the Bible on it. How many of y'all use Google? I'm telling you, I was lazy this week. You know how I got all those scriptures on God's will? I Googled scriptures on God's will. (laughs) I didn't even do commentary work. I didn't, I was lazy, I'm sorry. I had a trip to DC. I I, I didn't get a chance to like pull out the deep commentaries and look like I was Tim Keller. He's already memorized the Bible. But I just Googled scriptures for God's will. I mean, they're like 70. <laughs> I'll share with you like 10. Number two, number three, seek out God's people. Now, I just said to be careful with people's praise, but I also, God's never called us. Paul never went anywhere alone. As he went to Ephesus first, who did he have? Priscilla and Aquila. There's Silas and Timothy. It's Paul and Barnabas in that first missionary journey. And God has divinely put people around you with wisdom. I'm blown away by how many people I'm coming across on this earth right now who are just making decisions and not talking with anybody. Reach out, seek out God's people. But number four, step out in God's power. When you hear from the word of the Lord. Step out. But don't just step out. In the name of Jesus, step out. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, step out. And know that God is faithful. Not you. God is faithful. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians. God is faithful. And he wants to do and move in and through you in such a way that he alone gets all glory and honor and praise. His will for your life, I've already told you, what is it? To worship him, to serve him, to enjoy him. Oh, Rob, I've got some other things I'm gonna do in my life. Ain't God's will. Everything falls under those categories. Let's stand to our feet. We're gonna respond. I'm gonna ask for those who are serving communion to come up to my right and to my left. I wanna invite you, every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment right now, I wanna invite you to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I promise you, the will of God for your life is that you would surrender your life to Him and you would trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Will you trust in Jesus right now? If you'd say, that's me, Pastor Rob, I give my life to Jesus right now. Would you raise your hand? Anybody here willing to say, I trust in Jesus right now, love you. Anybody else? Come on, right now, in this moment, 
We want to love you. We want to serve you. I see you, bro. I love you, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're continuing to do amazing things for your kingdom and your glory. All right, everybody look at me. I'm this time of communion over here. Some of my best friends are up front here, ready to serve you. You're gonna break off a piece of bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ. You dip it into the juice, which symbolizes the blood of Christ. And you basically thank Jesus for giving you life. As believers, we come to the table and we ask for God every single day. We die daily to him and ask for him to live. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And I just wanna encourage you, Maybe some of you are at a crossroad right now of if God wills. Pray, say, Lord Jesus, before you come and take communion, not my will be done, but your will be done. Oh, who said that? Jesus. Say, as I come and partake and reflect on you, would you be clear with me What is your good, perfect will? And then please let me know if somehow by God's grace in the next day, he tells you what it is. Lord Jesus, lead us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we respond to you, if God wills. Amen. Let's respond.